But tonight, um, we're going to get started kind of introducing the series and, and looking at a few names of Christ um, tonight just to see who he is and, and how do we get to know him. So that, that would be, you know, that'd be the big question. How do you get to know your Savior? How do you get to know who God is? The simple answer is what? The, the Bible. Right? That's the simple answer. That's, the, that's the, the, you know, the grade school when Jenny and I taught in you know, Adventure Zone is what we called it. It's Launch Zone now. Uh, when we taught in there, you ask a question in there, and, and one, one of two answers is going to be given to you from the kids in there. They're either going to say Jesus or they're going to say the Bible, right? And, and most of the time, they're going to be right, right? That, that's where those answers are found, right? And so the simple answer, of course, is the Bible. But where in that big book do we start? Um, so I, th- I think it's a good idea to start looking in the Gospels, right? After all, the titles of the four Gospels are what? The Gospel, according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke and John, right? The word Gospel means good news, right? The, the good news is that Jesus Christ came to pay for our sins, right? So if we want to reword it a little bit, we want to say the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the stories of the good news of Jesus Christ according to those authors, right? That's what those books are all about. And so that sounds like a great place to start. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. Um, we'll have quite a, quite a bit in the Gospel of John, which is, uh, you know, it's just an awesome, very practical book. Uh, one of the things that, that I think is interesting that helps me understand who Christ is is the fact that there are four Gospels. And, and the fact that there are four Gospels is often questioned, why, why do we need four? Why do, why do we need to have four different accounts of the same guy? And I, I liken it to, how many of you have ever watched a, a football game? Anybody? Nobody? Some of you? Okay, there you go. There's the class participation we're looking for. And, and when you watch, watch a game of any, any sport, maybe it's something different, and some amazing play happens. Remember Odell Beckham did that lean back, matrix-like catch. It was crazy. How many angles did they watch that thing from afterwards? All of the angles that they had, right? They wanted to see it from this perspective. They wanted to see it from that perspective. They wanted to see it from the other side. They wanted to see it from all perspectives possible so they could understand what an incredible thing they just witnessed. Well, that's what the Gospels are. It's four different accounts from four different men giving us four totally different perspectives of who Christ is, right, and what he did on earth. And so if you look at your sheet, very simply, this is is just bare bones details of some of the differences. Matthew shows us Christ, the king, right? It's the coming king to the nation of Israel. The primary emphasis of the book is Jesus' teachings about the kingdom and what it's going to eventually be like when he's on the throne, right? Mark presents him as a servant. Totally different from, you know, his, his royal throne, right? He's presented as a servant, and the primary f- emphasis of Mark is the miracles he performed in serving the purpose of the Father and helping people. Right? He was there to serve whatever God wanted him to do and whoever God placed in his path. He was there to serve them. Luke gives us a view of Jesus, the man. Luke's goal was to chronicle, in order, the events of Jesus' life as a man here on earth. John's report establishes Jesus as none other than God himself, right? Which is why that's such an awesome book to go to, 
to, to get to know our Savior. We understand what a, what a man is like. What we don't quite grasp is, is his God-like you know, features and attributes. Within the book of John, we find many doctrines that line up with the church today. Jesus is not simply just some historical figure. He is God in human flesh, right? He came to this earth, and we'll see that tonight, to seek and to save us, right? He's, he's the head and the cornerstone of the church, and that's why the, the gospel of John applies a lot to us in, in this church age. John sums up the purpose of his writing in chapter 20. If you look on the screen, verses 30 and 31 say, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Okay, so there's, there's more that happened than what John wrote about. We saw some of those things. John did not write about a lot of the same things that we see in the other Gospels. There's more things than even that, right? These things are written, he says in verse 31, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name, right? That's why John wrote the Gospel of John, so that we would understand that, that Jesus wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a servant. He wasn't just the king of the Jews. He's God. Right? God came here to be with us, to make a way for us to go to the Father with him. And so he says, in believing you might have life through his name. And that, that last part is a hint in how we can get to know our Savior better. Through his name. You don't have to, to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever read the book of John? You get some head nods out there. Some of you have read the book of John. Okay. Have you ever noticed when reading the book of John, just in chapter 1, how many different names Jesus has? Just in chapter 1 alone. He's referred to the Word, for, referred to as the Word four times, the Light four times. He's referred to, obviously, as Jesus Christ, as Lord, as Messiah, or the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He's referred to as the Lamb of God two times. He's referred to as the Son of God two times. He's referred to twice as rabbi or master. He's referred to as the King of Israel and the Son of Man. That's like 11 or 12 different names or different titles just in one chapter of one book of the Bible. There's a whole lot more names. and Why, why is it, do you, do you think, that he has so many names? Anybody have any suggestions? I got one name. That's all I need. What do you think, Ben? Absolutely. It's because we're going to have a really hard time describing him with one name because one title cannot, it can't communicate the sum total of all that he is. It can't communicate the sum total of all he's possible or capable of doing. He, he's Lord, he's Savior, he's the one, he's the king. He's all of those things in, in one person. So he needs to have a lot of names because we just don't have the vocabulary to sum it all up in one word. He's just bigger than that. So tonight's study, it, we're going to look at four short, short verses in the, in the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 1. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll pick up in verse 1 of chapter 1 of John. And the verses uh, will also be on the screen if you, if you don't have a Bible tonight. All right, so John 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
If you jump down to verse 14, we're going to look at this one as well. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I've titled tonight's message, Walking with the Word. And what we're going to see is, is how valuable the word of God is by making three statements, three, three assessments here we're going to make of what would be missing from our lives without it. So let's go ahead and pray before we get into the study sheet, and let's just ask God to show us what those things are. Lord, uh, I'm thankful for the word. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for how you've put this together. I'm thankful that you give us the exact words within your word that you want us to have. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts. I pray that you would help us to see exactly who Jesus is. Help us to see you for who you are so that we can respect and honor and follow and, and make decisions in our lives based upon those facts, based upon who you are and, and the relationship that we have with you. Lord, if there's anybody in here tonight that does not know you as personal Savior, Lord, I pray that tonight they would understand who the Word is and why they need you in their life. We love you so much. We pray that you teach us and guide us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so first of all, if you happen to notice, the word, word, in the beginning of that, that passage is capitalized. So if we go all the way back, some of you just graduated, it's not that far back, right? All the way back to grammar in, in middle school and grade school and all of that, what do we use capital letters for? Proper names, places, right? The beginning of a sentence, some wor- important words and titles, if you're like me, I use capital letters for everything. <laughs> it's because I was an engineer for 17 years, and that's what we do. Big capital letters at the beginning of a word, and little capitals the rest of the way, or at the beginning of a sentence. It still functions the same way. It's just my world. Welcome to it. I can't break that now because I don't remember how to write you know, lowercase letters. Cursive, forget it. Forget it. It's gone. I, I've just, anyways. So all caps. So why is the word, word, capitalized here? Because it's somebody's name, right? It's not the beginning of a sentence. In the beginning was the word, capital W. And the word was with God, and the word is a person. It was God. We see that in in the first verse there. And the first thing that we need to see, that, that without the word, we cannot know God. Because the word and God are inseparable. So get that on your sheet. Without the word, we cannot know God. In the beginning, that was our beginning, the beginning of all creation, right? Not God's beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Not only was this personification with God, it was God himself, active in creation. Genesis 1.26 says, God said, let us... Make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God is not just one God, right? We understand that God is a trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together, three in one. So when God says, let us, he's talking about himself and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. First John 5, 7, we see that same trinity talked about again. It says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, 
and the Holy Ghost. So we know, we, we understand by comparing these two different passages or three different passages that the word he's talking about is Christ. Right? It's, it's the Son of God. These three are one. So to know God is only possible through knowing the word of God, through knowing the Son. 1 John 1, verses 1 and 2 says that which was from the beginning, we're back looking at the beginning again, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Right? He's again talking about Christ. For the life was manifested, it was, it was made known, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So God, in the beginning, if you go back to Genesis 1.1, it says God, in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And he goes through each day of creation and the different things created, and he created man in his image, three in one. God is, God is a multiple, he's, he's not multiple gods. He's got all these functions and facets wrapped up in three, yet somehow they're one. You ask me to explain how that works, I'm not God, I didn't make it that way, this is what he's saying. Is this is how it is. It's a little bit like the old pinball machines. If you hit it too hard, you tilt, and, you, and it doesn't work anymore. So I'm going to go with what God says. I'm going I'm to take his word in faith and try not to rack my brain too hard on that thing because my brain's little, and, and he's a big God. Genesis 3.8 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. This is after the sin. It, it, it kind of looks like to us that, that in the cool of the day, well, God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve. And it doesn't just say that God walks with them. What does it say? They heard the voice of the Lord God walking. The word of God was there. They had the opportunity to, to walk with the word of God. And that's what we need to do. We need to walk with the word every single day. What's, what's the cool of the day? Well, it could be the, the morning, makes the most sense. Before the sun comes up and before everything gets hot, the picture in the Old Testament was, you know, every morning they would get up and, and go when they were in the wilderness, the nation of Israel, and they would gather manna. Manna was like a bread. It was their nourishment. It was their sustenance for the day. They would get up in the cool of the day, gather the word, the bread, and it would, it, would, it would provide for them for the whole day. God, the voice of God, would come to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's a pretty cool thing. That's where we get the message title, Walking with the Word. John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, it says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. This is the shepherd, he's referring to Christ. And the sheep follow him, Why? for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Right? Why do sheep follow their shepherd and not some other strange person? Because they don't know them. They know the voice of the shepherd. They're familiar. They walk with the shepherd because they know his voice. Well, that's what we need to do. Right? If, you're not, if you're going to know God, you've got to know Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us, they're inseparable. If you're going to know Jesus, you've got to walk with the Word. You've got to be in, in the Word of God. You've got to spend time with Him in His Word, learning about who He is. So there's a note on your, on your notes. 
It says you cannot separate the word from Jesus and know God personally. You cannot separate the word from Jesus. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same thing. Right? Anything that Jesus said instantly, automatically, eternally was the word of God because he is the word of God. The second thing, without the word, man, no, no purpose exists. Without the word, there's no purpose. If we look in uh, verses one through three again in, in uh, John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Right? You can't separate creation from, from Jesus either because he was the one there speaking it into existence. There are two important things to notice here. One, the word was active in creation. Uh, I've got a bunch of verses on there on your sheet, I think, that are Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, 9, 11, 14, 20. Only six is going to be on the, the screen here. But each one of these verses say, and God said. What happens after God said? And it was so. God said, let there be this thing, and it was so. God said, let there be light, and God said, let there be this and that. And after he said something, it was created. The word of God was active in creation. His voice was speaking things into existence. Something that that we can't even fathom. That's his power. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Ephesians 3.9 says, To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things. How did he create all things? It says right here, by Jesus Christ. The word was active in the creation of everything. The second thing to notice is that when the word created everything, he did so with and for a purpose. I don't see LT here tonight. He's in Tennessee. You work for LT. Why do you build a foundation? Just because foundations are fun? Okay. To put stuff on, right? You start with the foundation. Hebrews 1.10 says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations, or the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. So why did he build a foundation? Because God likes foundations, and foundations are fun. No. Right? To build on top of it. He built a foundation. He started with a base for a reason. He has a purpose for everything he's created. He's, he's done it for a reason. He's got an eternal purpose. The entire Bible is not just about mankind and our history and the things that we've done and, you know, wise and stupid and in between, right? All of that stuff's in there. But it's about God's kingdom. It's about his name. It's about his glory. It's about God the Father propping his son up for the entire world, the entire existence of everything to worship. That's what it's about. Right? It's about the king that the book of Matthew talks about. Revelation 4.11, one of my favorite verses, this has been one of my favorite verses since I, I got saved. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. He's worthy. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know why I'm here? 
for his pleasure. You know why you're here? Same reason. And I, I'm, I'm not a nature nerd. Like, I don't know anything about nature. I enjoy it. My wife says that I like birds too much. That's weird. But my mom likes birds way too much, and so she's just trying to make the point. You know, you're like your mom, that kind of thing. I know, you know, some of the birds that are on the ba- in the back of the house, whatever. <laughs> I enjoy those things. I'm, I'm rabbit trailing, I know. Hold on. We'll come back. I enjoy those things because God created those things to do the cool things that they do. You know, of all creation, everything does what it's created to do except for us. You know how awesome trees are? If you look at a tree, the bottom of the tree is bigger than the top of the tree. Why? Because every bit of that tree is reaching out towards the sun. There's a picture there. Do I reach towards the sun? Towards the word? Sometimes. Sometimes I do what I was created to do. Every bit of that tree is worshiping God. Every song that those birds sing is worshiping God. They're doing what they were created to do. Even the gross, weird little bugs, right, that my kids don't want to go outside because of. Amen, somebody says, right? Bugs are weird. There's a purpose. Bingo, good job. See, there's, there's a silver lining, I like that. One of the most incredible purposes that we have is that God somehow, some way, even in the midst of our disobedience, somehow he wants to take pleasure in us. He wants to just enjoy me, as boring as I am, as goofy as I can be. He just wants to enjoy a personal relationship with me. That's what I was created for. That's awesome. The note on your sheet there says you cannot separate the word from the purpose of your life and have anything meaningful or lasting. It might be meaningful for now. It might mean something to you for now. But if it isn't what God is all about, and it's just consumed in your selfishness, it's not going to last. The pain might. You cannot separate the word from the purpose. Because he's the one that created the purpose. He didn't start with a foundation just for the fun of foundations. The third point is, without the word, we have no hope. If we jump to verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory, or the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this, this aspect of gr- grace and truth, it says he's full of grace and truth. He's the, he's the perfect balance. It's not 50-50. Christ is 100% of both. Somehow, you know, I can only, I can only sometimes try to balance that stuff, and I, I still mess it up. Like, I, I swing too far to the truth, and I just, I'm not caring enough. Or, I, or I'm all grace, and I forget to tell you what you needed to hear. But he's 100% both all times. He's full of grace and truth. Later in uh, John chapter 1, verse 17, says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came 
by Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of the perfect balance of grace and truth, we can know Jesus as our Savior. The gospel, we talked about the gospel being the good news. Well, the good news is balanced perfectly with the truth that there is bad news, right? In your sins, left to yourself, without a Savior, you only have punishment and a penalty. That's a frightening reality. That's the truth. And he loves you enough, and he's showing you grace enough to put it in his word and say, hey, this is your state. Without me, you have no hope. But he tells us that while we were yet sinners without hope, Christ died for us. He made a way. He, he stepped in our place for us to give us that blessed hope that we look forward to. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. The truth without Christ will eventually do that. And he's perfectly loving to do so. He sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You're on a course, you have a choice. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 through 6 says, In whom the God of this world, the small g God, remember those capitals are important, this one gets a lowercase, right? Satan is who we're talking about. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Believe not what? That, that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the way to salvation. It says, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God, the grace of God, is received through Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 says, In whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's talking about Christ. Verse 9 says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If we want to get to know God, if we want to get to know him, we've got to go through Christ. So the note on your sheet is that you cannot separate the word from the salvation of your eternal soul and have true hope. You cannot separate the word from the salvation of your eternal soul and have true hope. Right? Without Christ, there is no hope because only in Christ can we receive eternal life. Only through what Christ did on the cross do we have any chance at all. So as we're wrapping this up, I have John chapter 1, verse 18 We've seen 14 and 17. It says, No man hath seen God at any time. 
God the Father is what he's talking about. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. How do you get to God? Well, you've got to go through his Son. If you want to know God, you've got to walk with the Word. If you want to know the Word, it's Jesus. If you want to know Jesus, it's in the Word, right? If, if you're not reading the Word of God on a daily basis... I mean, you're missing out on your opportunity to walk with your Savior, to know him personally, to understand who he is, to understand why he's placed you here, to understand what he wants you to do today, to know what he thinks about you. You know, there's, there's people, there's, there's a famous preacher. He's a, an author, and Andy Stanley is his name. Maybe you've heard of him. He says that, that we need to unhitch ourselves from that Old Testament. That that's just not necessary anymore. You know what he's saying? It's only, only that New Testament is helpful. Well, who told you that? Because God said, in the beginning, in the Old Testament was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You want me to unhitch from God? You must... You want me to unhitch myself from the Word, from the Old Testament, from Christ, when, when he was active in creating all of that and speaking all things into existence? And You want me to unhitch myself from... You've got to watch out. Don't hitch yourself to that guy if he's telling you to, to unhitch yourself from Christ. You can't have Old Testament and New Testament separate. You don't get to pick one. All of it is Scripture. All of it is preserved. All of it is your relationship with Christ. And all through that book, we spent a lot of time in the book of Ephesians learning who is it that God says that I am? What is my identity in Christ? He told us. Feeling down about yourself, go read about the promises in the book of Ephesians. You Feeling down on yourself, go back to Philippians and the study and, and the peace that we can have by laying it all down at his feet. It's all getting to know Jesus. And if you're not spending time in the Word, you're missing out on that relationship. That's where we find him. Some of the benefits of walking with the Word, I've got some verses printed out on your sheets here. And they're all in Psalm 119. Verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to what? Thy word. Have you ever gotten dirty from life and bad decisions? Walk with the word and be cleansed. That's the promise. Underlined, underline thy word right there. And underline cleanse. Because that's what it does in your life. Psalm 119, verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness have you ever felt like that? You ever had a rough enough time to where the pressure and the weight and the heat of life, it feels like your soul's just melting? I've got nothing left to give. You ever feel that way? He says, strengthen me according unto thy word. Underline thy word and strengthen, because that's what it'll do. Walk with the word and be strengthened. 
Verse 74, they that fear thee will be glad when they see me. Why? Because I have hoped in thy word. Have you ever felt like you don't have anyone in your life that understands? I think we've all felt that. He says if we walk with the word, you have an instant connection with everybody else that's doing the same. And they will understand. And they'll be able to connect with you. You'll have a connection. Verse 160 says, Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I look at my life and I worry, man, am I, am I investing in things that matter? Am I doing the things that, that actually are going to keep lasting beyond me? Man, walk with the word and invest your energy in something. You're investing your energy in something that will last forever, for all of eternity. The time you spend in the word is an investment in eternity. Because God is changing you to be more like Christ. And as he changes you to be more like Christ, he's going to give you opportunities to show Christ to the world. Through your life and through his word. We're going to wrap up here, but I've got, I wrote down some homework for you. We don't usually do this. But what better way for you to start knowing your Savior, Savior than, than to start walking with the Word? And so I want you guys to read Psalm 119 this week. I want you to count the number of times that you see the phrase, Thy Word. <clears throat> and and it, just a, a heads up, uh, you know, get a King James Bible. The words are specific. They're in there for a reason. Do the study in, in the King James. If you don't have one, there's free apps. You can look one up. Look up the phrase, thy word. Count how many times it's in there. See how important God's word is to God. Was to the psalmist who wrote the psalms. Write down some of the things that are connected to your relationship with God through his word. Right, I just gave you four of them here, right? There's four of the examples that are in there. Underline thy word and, and write down what promise you have because of the word of God and because of your relationship with him, because of the time you invest in it. What does he give you in return? There's some really awesome things you can learn. And write down every synonym for God's word that you find. And I put an example. The psalmist refers to God's judgments. Judgments, precepts, word. Look at all of those words, and every time you see something in the Psalm, in Psalm 119 that's talking about the word of God, write down all of those synonyms. Psalm 119 is an incredible love letter to God because of all the incredible benefits directly tied to just spending time with the book, spending time with the word, spending time with Jesus through the word. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I, I am so thankful for the Bible, for, for the book that you've preserved for us. One of the most incredible things I've heard it said, the most one of the most incredible things about you is the fact that you speak.
we would know nothing about you without your word. We wouldn't know who you are. We wouldn't know what you've done. We wouldn't know all of the incredible things that you've promised. And we would have no idea how to come to you. I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for Christ. I'm so thankful for everything that you've promised. And I'm thankful for the comfort that you give me when I get in your word. I'm thankful for the guidance you give me. I'm even thankful for when you correct me when I'm selfish and wrong. I need that too. Lord, I pray that tonight we would just see the value of getting time with you and and we would make the effort because we were created for your pleasure, not the other way around. But there's still so much we gain by spending time with you. Lord, I love you and I I love this this group of young folks here tonight and I just pray they they would catch your heart for them and catch your heart for your son. In Christ's name I pray.